0: Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this is Q&A podcast number 27, and you may be listening to this podcast on iTunes. If you are, I would really love it if you would give the podcast a five-star review. If you take just a moment to navigate over in iTunes and hit those little five stars there, because that'll just give this mp3 rss st- uh, stream a little bit more of of the audience that i think it deserves so we've got three good questions today and before i dive into them i want to just mention that what you're hearing here and what you find on my website limitless.com is not medical advice i'm not a doctor i'm just a experienced unlicensed self-experimenter practicing free speech in talking about my own extensive experiences and my interpretations of public science. And I will refer you to my guide on how to biohack smart and safe. That is going, that's kind of like a risk management manifesto when it comes to your biohacking and if you're new to it if you're intermediate even if you have a pretty good idea of what you're doing with all these crazy supplements and technologies and options that are available to you to do what you want with your body outside of the supervision of a physician i'd urge you to check out that guide as it is helpful and i will also suggest if you're a person that's that's dropping a not insignificant amount of change, if you are spending some, some moolah, if you are making it rain with your online shopping for supplements, if you're one of those people that's investing and in trying to improve your health, I would urge you to check out the Limitless Mindset Secret Society, which I do have linked below wherever you're going to be listening to this podcast and this is not going to cost you anything extra this is a page on my website where i link to the 15 or so recommended vendors and these are vendors of biohacking supplements and technologies and products things i've tried that are credible that uh, that really work that are often supplements which are coa verified for purity, for lack of toxicity, this is the good stuff. And if you spend at least $100 with these vendors, it kind of depends upon which vendor you spend money with. You'll have to go to the page and check this out, which again, it's linked below. But if you spend at least $100, which, hey, if you're serious about your health, you're probably spending $100 on it, Eh, not infrequently. And this will give you access to a online community that we've got, a cool biohacker community, which is hosted on Minds.com, which is, as far as I can tell, the only social network on the internet that actually protects your privacy. And since we've got kind of like a $100 barrier to entry to this particular group, I think that it is going to have a higher quality of conversation in it. So if you're kind of sick of these forums and places around the internet where people are talking about health stuff and you can get some questions answered sometimes, but there's also kind of just a lot of rudeness. There's a bunch of people who you don't really know if they actually have any idea of what they're talking about who are uh, erupting with opinions uh, if you want to go to a place that's a little bit more exclusive, a little bit more elite, do check out the Limitless Mindset Secret Society. And that also includes a 25-minute call with me. So if you've ever thought that it might be useful just to get on a one-on-one phone call with somebody who's got some experience in the whole domain of life hacking and biohacking, I would love to talk to you. This is how I've made some friends around the world that are into some very cool stuff. Okay, and I am lucky today to be joined by my co-host, Gergana.
1: Hey everyone. Okay, so the first question comes from Rickson via Instagram. I'm considering moving somewhere in Europe with low cost of living and with good stuff when it comes to the biohacking and nootropics world. But I wonder how of a good place would Bulgaria be when it comes to access to biohacking stuff. Supplements, job. I'm a biohacker and I like to go to saunas, have red light therapy and such things.
0: Well, I thought you would be the perfect person to answer this question with because you are a Bulgarian. And that's where we live here together. We are debatably the most famous biohackers in Bulgaria.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, I think that he sounds like an American. So I think that he won't have any problem with getting a job here, a very highly paid job
0: hmm He said he was actually, I think, uh, he had a European citizenship. So maybe he's a European guy who's also an American citizen. I'm actually not sure.
1: Well, maybe. Well, if he speaks more than one language, he can get a really well-paid job at a call center here.
0: Mm-hmm. Although, what's... The salaries here are not very good. If he's coming from America or if he's coming from some other Western European country, he's going to be pretty disappointed in the salaries here. So I've had a lot of people ask me about Bulgaria because it's been my home for uh, over two years now. And I always tell people, don't come to Bulgaria for a job, bring a job to Bulgaria. Because the economy here, it's not awful. It's not like some places like uh, Kiev where I've spent time, but the economy is not, uh, is not roaring. It is not a uh, bull market here. So I suggest, however, the cost of living is very low here. The cost of living is a a great value here. So I urge people that if they do come here, find some work, some freelance work that they can do, and then make currency, make dollars, make euros, make bitcoins, and then spend the Bulgarian leva so that you can do a little bit of geo-arbitraging of your income.
1: Yeah, that's... That's good advice.
0: So I think it's a, a good option for digital nomads, especially if you already have a European Schengen zone company, country, uh, citizenship. It should be pretty easy to move here. As a, a country for biohackers, I think it's it's pretty good. Actually, I left the United States kind of as a as a uh, refugee from the toxicity of modernity. Uh, they're in the United States. They're in some other Western, quote-unquote, developed countries. They, uh, they have uh, glyphosate-ridden, Monsanto-sponsored uh, products That you can find on every single shelf in every single grocery store in your country. And you really have a tough time getting organic food, getting clean food, uh, getting food that doesn't have a bunch of crazy chemicals in it. That's part of the reason why I left the United States. And Bulgaria is one of the better countries for that. Here in Bulgaria we they banned Monsanto. I think they have done some banning of GMOs. I don't think it's a complete banning of GMOs, but the food, it, the the food that you would just buy from like a farmers market here is I think better than what you find in a lot of places around the world.
1: Yeah, we have farmers markets here. And personally, me and Jonathan, we only buy our food from a farmer's market
0: yeah we don't go to well admittedly we do go to the grocery store from time to time
1: yes but only for food that we can't find on the farmer's market
0: yeah and we're mostly buying what do what do we get from the grocery store like uh beer (laughs) i get beer from the grocery store
1: (laughs) yeah yeah beer beer also some vegetables
0: Mhm. But we're not getting like cereal, no, <laughs> or ice cream.
1: No, 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 no. It's really good to get uh, like meat and dairy from the farmers market. Mhm. It's also good to get um, organic honey. It's good to get bread. Mhm. Good bread from a farmers market. You know, like homemade.
0: You can judge the quality and the toxicity of a country's food by kind of just looking at how overweight people are there. Uh, More specifically, like younger people and middle-aged people. Naturally, you kind of expect for people to get a little bit obese as they get older. That's kind of the, the trend, right? But if you go to a country and you see a lot of young people, like people in their 20s, people in their 30s who are obese, in my mind, that's a pretty good sign that that place has awful awful quality of food. And I I haven't done a, you know, a spectroscopy analysis of the food here in Bulgaria, but it's cert- that it's certainly that's the opposite of what we observe. You know, here you generally see young people and even middle-aged people and there's not a huge obesity epidemic in the country. So as a biohacker, you are always you know, wanting to order a lot of cool supplements, you know, that's one of the that's one of the main that's one of the uh, the cornerstones of a biohacker's existence is taking is your daily ritual of taking your supplements and ordering, finding out a new supplement that you want to try and then ordering it and then it arriving at your doorstep and and every every month or every couple of weeks or every couple of days, however often you can afford to try new things, having that kid on Christmas morning feeling of opening up yet another supplement. It's pretty exciting. And here in Bulgaria, well, this can be a little bit tough. We've had mixed experiences with the accessibility of supplements, wouldn't you say?
1: Yes, when we talk about customs, it's not... It's not a piece of cake, usually. You have to have a lot of patience, you know?
0: Yeah. So here in Europe, they have these different, they have the EU, and then each country has its own layer of bureaucracy in charge of importing things. And If you're importing something from the United States, which by the way, this is something you don't learn until you leave the United States if you're an American. In the United States, you are fortunate to be able to get the very best health supplements at the very the very, very best quality at the very best price, with boundless uh, selection, with boundless opportunities. It's really pretty extraordinary what, just all the different types of molecules that you can order um, in America from the convenience of your living room on your laptop and then have it show up at, at your doorstep about uh, a week later. And in Europe, it's it's trickier than that. So within the EU, within the Schengen zone, if you order from a company that is in the EU, then it's easier to get things. Then you're looking at typically, like I ordered some adaptogenic herbs. I ordered the ingredients to my favorite adaptogenic herb stack, which is schisandra, rhodiola, and Eleuthero. And those took about two weeks to get here. And they were coming from an English company. I identified the best source of those sorts of herbs here in Europe. And it was this company, Indigo Herbs, that I did a a video review of that you can find on my website if you're interested. And we've ordered a couple other times. We've gotten actual nootropics, like more classic nootropics, from Focus Supplements a number of times now. And that typically takes about about two weeks. I have gotten a number of shipments from Roo Pharma. And there's Roo Pharma and Moss Pharma. They are the same company, but they are different websites. One is based one is a warehouse based in Moscow and one is a, bear- a warehouse based in I think Lithuania actually and these guys are quite good at getting things to me uh, they'll ship me something out and i will typically get it in about a week and i usually won't have much trouble with these packages that are coming from other eu uh, from other eu countries so You'll have to spend a bit more here in Europe to get supplements. You won't be able to get the same quality of supplements for the real low prices that you can get them, for the relatively low prices that you can get them there in the United States. Like in the United States, you can order something like 500 grams of pharmaceutical grade paracetam that's powdered, and I think it is $39. And that is a lot of paracetam. Uh, That amount of paracetam will last you a long time. It's excellent paracetam, one of the best smart drugs, and it's only $39. That may last you in between, I'm going to say in between two to six months, depending upon your intake. And here in Europe, That sort of value is just not really available. You'd be paying quite a bit more. So you kind of have to plan on spending more money uh, ordering from the European vendors. Because if you're ordering from U.S. companies, your costs and the inconvenience just get tremendously egregious. They are going to fine you a VAT tax. It's going to be something like 25, 27%, 30% of the value of whatever the product is. And that's not such a big problem for me. But What really is offensive is just how hard it is to get the people in the imports offices to actually do their jobs and process the paperwork that they demand from you. Yes.
1: It's really hard to get them to answer the phone in the first place. And they only seem to work on Mondays.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Every other day of the week that we call, they just refuse To talk to us.
1: Yes, nobody answers the
0: phone. So, yeah, that's the deal. There is here in Bulgaria, there's a company called Zoya.bg, which sells pretty good organic stuff at actually pretty reasonable prices. But they don't, you have to either, this is the thing, being a biohacker here in Bulgaria, you would either have to make a trade-off With not taking quite so many supplements, you won't you or you'll just have to be able to spend a lot more money. If you've got if you're a person who has like five thousand dollars a year to spend on your supplements, then you probably won't have that big of a problem here because you could just pay more from the European vendors. But if you got a whole lot less money to spend on your supplements, you're gonna have to make some some sacrifices, which I guess is I guess is okay because you think about the. The quality of food is higher here. So it's kind of like the big question. What, you know, what is it that really affects your health or brings you towards your biohacking goals more? Is it the food you're eating or is it the supplements you're taking? It's kind of hard to say, right? Mm-hmm. Let's see. So he mentions uh, saunas, red light therapy and such things. I don't think we have a sauna here in oh no 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 no. let me think about this okay actually we do have a few saunas here in Sofia but they're not as common and they tend Third to be hotels. yeah they tend to be attached to ritzy hotels so you'd have to it's not quite like a, a place like Finland where they just have saunas everywhere so you'd have to spend a little bit more for the saunas I do know that they have a cryotherapy place here. And I have not tried that yet. I'd love to try that. So we do have some cool things here in in Sofia. As far as red light therapy, you'd probably have to order that yourself or bring that yourself. I've not seen a lot of places offering that. So it's, again, uh, if what you're looking for is a place that's inexpensive but that has a higher quality of living. I think that it's I think that it's not that bad, but it's not exactly a biohacker's utopia. He should check out my articles which are going to be linked below this podcast which are seducing sophia. That was an article that I wrote here when I was a single guy and I successfully seduced Sophia to the extent that I am no longer single. And Sophia seduced you. That's right. That's right. Maybe I could do another article. Sophia seduced me. Mm Mm-hmm. I did another... I've done two articles on Bulgaria. And the second one is called Bulgaria is a red-pilled bastion of Western civilization. And so that was a bit more about the culture And so you'll want to check out both of those articles if you're interested in the country. Okay.
1: And I don't think that you would remain disappointed in the Bulgarian women. I agree. I don't think so. We know other American guys who come here for the girls and they're really, really happy With our choice. And they think that we are (laughs) beskraina krasuta. Which means infinite beauty.
0: Infinite beauty.
1: Mm -hmm. But I think you should just come over and check out for yourself.
0: So do let us know.
1: Mm -hmm. The next question came
0: from Scott via email. This is kind of a quirky guy. He said, I write to you today about something in the industry that seems strange to me. And I hope you, pardon me, I'm burping here, folks, a bit. I was having some of that Powdarko tea because all of these podcasts I've been listening to tell me about how great Powdarko tea is for your mitochondria and your sirtuins and everything else. But it it has that nasty consistency to it. It's just not that pleasant of a tea to drink. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do with it. I think I might... You know what I might do with it? I might do the thing with the Pau Darko tea where I put the tea in the voss in the glass bottle and then I leave it overnight so that the powderco tea permeates the water overnight. Mm-hmm. But I'll put it in the tea egg so that it filters out and then I'll leave it in the refrigerator so it gets cold and then I'll drink it in the morning... And I'll pull out the tea egg so that that way I don't have those little uh, bits of uh, powdarko fiber sticking in my throat while I'm trying to do a podcast. I think that might be the best way to do the powdarko. I agree. Sorry. Sorry, Scott. Let us get back to your question here. He said, something seems strange to me and I hope you have some insight and if so maybe foundation for new content you could use online in my opinion it is very possible that sarcosine is the one nootropic that could most hinder the sale of harmful expensive uh uh, psych drugs like lithium, SSRIs, etc. The potential is there, and I think the pharma industry knows it, but do not think the supplement industry is aware of it. Maybe because when used alone, there is not much benefit. The pharma industry tried to mimic the benefits of sarcosine with bitoparine, but failed as they prepared this drug to come out in 2017. Sarcosine became scarce, and it still is scarce. What a coincidence. Who was known for sarcosine sales? Powder City. Hmm. Where are they now? Yeah, I know. Where is the safe place to buy sarcosine now? Maybe only Nootropics Depot, but they limit to one bottle. Does bigger sales frighten Nootropics Depot? Think not. Must be a supply issue. So, do I think that sarcosine became scarce because a group wants to harm others? No, but maybe. Someone may want to be scarce to gain leverage, increase competitive edge, even if it harms others. Maybe I am nuts. Maybe. But sarcosine is such a simple compound. Why else would it be scarce? Conspiracy? Not sure, but I find this strange. Do you have any opinion or insight on this? So this guy is pointing to this nootropic that I didn't have much experience with or acquaintance with up until now. It's called Sarcasine. I do link to it in the article for this. And Sarcasine, I was a little bit surprised to see, it does have 18 human clinical trials. And that's a decent amount of clinical research to have been done on a supplement most of the clinical research was in the domain of treating schizophrenia Uh, apparently it's pretty helpful for schizophrenics i didn't perusing the studies on it i didn't see a whole lot of studies that would lead me to believe that it would be like a classic nootropic that would help with uh, cognition or help with motivation or memory. So, I would suggest to Scott, if you think it's if you think it's great stuff, why don't you put together an article about it, synopsizing the research and then send that to me and if it's a good article then I can publish it on my website and maybe we can get the word out on it a bit more. The the funny thing here is that this guy is uh, imagining a conspiracy surrounding sarcasine by big pharma and i would say that's probably not the case typically and conspiracy is a subject that's always fascinated me typically when there's a conspiracy what you'll see is some industry phar- some industry uh, sponsorship of negative propaganda you'll see some studies that are being done that are saying that it's a bad drug that are saying bad things about it and then if you go and check the funding on those studies you'll see that big pharma or you'll see that the competition has funded those studies that's kind of like the classical case of conspiracy that occurs in the the pharma pharmacological you know area of commerce i didn't see that with sarcasine i just saw all of the pubmed studies on it being pretty optimistic about it actually for example, if you want to see an example of this, go and look at uh, Crotom on PubMed. And you'll see a bunch of studies saying bad things about Crotom. And Crottam is uh, far from uh, blameless. Crottam is pretty problematic, actually. But I think that there's probably a uh, concerted effort amongst pharmaceutical companies amongst the mainstream media to do some demonization of kratom because they don't want you know people to be dealing with their ptsd or dealing with their pain with a uh low risk uh, herb that can be farmed very cheaply there in Asia and then shipped over and people can easily get it. You know, they want people on the on the more serious, hardcore, more expensive drugs, of course. And so I don't see that in the case of uh, sarcozine. And if there was a conspiracy, if, if you want to see another example of conspiracy, go and look up the... Uh, mainstream media coverage of things like vaccines and you'll see that the talking heads on television just always say the exact same thing they say vaccines are safe and effective vaccines are safe and effective safe and effective do you believe us yet we'll say safe and effective one more time, we'll keep saying safe and effective until you believe us. But if you go and look up the ingredients of those vaccines, you'll see that they have mercury in them and aluminum in them, like very dangerous things. So, uh, yeah, typically when there's a, consp- a pharma conspiracy going on, and there there uh, have been plenty of pharma conspiracies that have been very destructive to the, the health of uh, probably the entire human race, but there's always uh, some mainstream media, uh, working complicity along with them. And then there's always some complicity of the, the corrupt, uh, academic institutions. There's some, uh, university studies that are funded by some big corporation that are, uh, bemoaning and besmirching something. And I don't see that in the case of Sarkozy. So I would say that, uh, there just needs to be more, uh, more articles put out about it. You know, Feel free to put out some articles yourself about it, and maybe it'll become more popular. It looks like it is for sale on neutropicsdepot.com and also on Amazon, but the sources on Amazon don't look that great. So yeah, Nootropics Depot is going to be your go-to.
1: Thanks for your instruction, the only problem is that breath retention, or kumbhaka, is an extremely dangerous practice. I'm talking from personal experience, not mere book reading, and I'm not the only person who knows this. Authors and gurus have been warning us for over 50 years to not hold the breath. Are you aware of this?
0: So, this was a response to my article on tantric sex techniques for men, which unsurprisingly is one of my very most popular medium articles. I think it's up to like 100,000 views now or something, something like that. And the topic of breath retention danger is something I've been a little bit curious about for a while now. However, there's two very good books on the topic. There's The Tower of Longevity and then The Multi-Orgasmic Man. And in both of these books, they describe the, the tantric breathing techniques where you do what's called a breath retention. And this is a little bit different than when you're holding your breath because you're gonna try to swim underneath the water or something. This is where you breathe into your lungs and then you just hold the breath in your lungs very briefly for anywhere between one to five seconds. You, you don't do it a whole lot longer than that. And what that's supposed to do is that's supposed to have an effect on a mitochond- mitochondrial respiration. That was the, in the Tao of Longevity, they make the case that when you do a meditative breathing techniques technique, and you breathe in, and then you hold the breath in your lungs for just, you consciously wait just a moment uh, before beginning your exhalation of the breath. And then once the breath is exhaled all the way, when your lungs are empty, then you, for a moment, just hold your lungs empty and that this prompts mitochondrial respiration and as proof for this if you do this for anywhere from like 10 to 15 minutes you'll find that your body starts to kind of heat up you'll feel some some heat rising in your body it's kind of cool it's worth it's worth practice it's worth trying i don't do it i don't do it a lot but i think that's that's how it might work and In both of these books, they do mention that there's a little bit of danger if you are holding, if you're doing breath retentions that are very long. They say that there's people that are advanced Taoists, and they will do a breath retention of like six, seven, eight seconds. So they'll breathe, so they'll breathe in, fill their lungs up, and then hold it. Count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Then exhale all the way till your lungs are empty and count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And I would totally believe that you can get into trouble if you are really new to meditative breathing and you're doing a seven-minute breath hold on inhalation and exhalation. In both of those books, they say specifically that when you're learning your tantric breathing technique, when you're learning your four-stage breathing techniques, to do like one-second breath holds and... That's typically what I do. When I'm doing my meditation and I'm doing my breath retention holding, I'll typically do like a 1 or 2 second. And I didn't even know that phrase, kam kumbaka, kumbaka. So, I've never I've never heard of anyone like dying from this. And I've spent a lot of time around the internet looking at what people are saying about Tantric breathing and that sort of thing, and I've just never heard that of anyone dying from it. So I'm wondering if maybe that's kind of just a an old wives' tale, a a divination of the babas, <laughs> as as we call it here in Bulgaria, or what would you call it if it was the uh, the grandpas? The grandpas. A
1: divination
0: of the grandpas.
1: No, we call it babini devatini.
0: <laughs> That's such a cute phrase, I think. I yeah, I think that might be a, a little bit of just kind of a thi- uh, of a of a myth surrounding the 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 practice of some of this tantric breathing. And I'm not really worried about it, but I would say if you're new to it or if you're worried about it, then just keep your breath retentions under two seconds. And I think you'll be just fine. I've been doing it for years and years now, and I've never noticed anything not awesome as a result. So if you do have experience with that, yeah, leave me a comment on my website are on medium.com, letting us know your experience, because I've actually never met anyone that had a, a bad time with the tantric stuff that I talk about. Everyone seems to have a great time with it.
1: And you practice it. That's right. You practice tantric stuff. That's right. Very often,
0: so. I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset.
1: And I'm his wife. You're gone. hmm <laughs> <laughs> It just sounds better from your, from your mouth. Oh,
0: yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And we look forward to a continued conversation with you.